0: Congregation may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As we approach the text for our meditation this morning, the gospel lesson, you're probably going to need your Bibles um, if you want to follow along. If not, you probably just jot down what verses we kind of uh, mention. But here the text uh, it ties and Jesus brings the Old Testament um, into, into bear. It starts out with the first couple of words. On the third day. Uh, we start right there. And how many third days have we seen? The first third day that we uh, see that I want to bring, uh, to, that, that offers some insight into what's going on here, is from, Isaac, um, it's from Genesis chapter 22, verse 4. And in Genesis 22, verse 4, there on the third day... Um, Abraham is led with Isaac to find the place where they are going to sacrifice Isaac. And it's on the third day that Abraham lifts his eyes and he sees the place. He sees the place that God has intended. And there he builds an altar. And there he is going to sacrifice Isaac. You know the story. But it's the third day that he sees this. So it's not like a mistake or just an occurrence that this wedding happens on the third day. It's also the third day, if you go to your Bibles, in Exodus, chapter 19, verse 16, this is the the third day when God tells Moses to come up onto the mountain. It was the morning of the third day, and God brings Moses up to the mountain. Now, if you read the text there, the mountain is filled with smoke, the The glory of God has enveloped this mountain. And as Moses is called up onto the mountain, God is going to give him, that's right, you guessed it, the Ten Commandments. This happened on the third day. So it's not a mistake that this wedding is going to happen on the third day. And any time we hear the third day, we better think about the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 4, that on the third day he was raised from the dead. So this third day is very important. And it was on the third day there was a wedding in Cana and Galilee. And now why Cana and why Galilee? Well, let's go to Isaiah chapter 9. <clears throat> Verse one. Now normally this passage, chapter 9, is used uh, to talk about, um, and, and this is Handel's Messiah. The people dwelling who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. But I want to focus on verse 1. But there will be no gloom for those who are in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. So the prophecy from Isaiah is that the glory of the Lord will come to Galilee. That the glory of the Lord will come to the Gentiles. This is a Gentile area. This text of Isaiah is fulfilled today. The glory of God is coming and has come to Galilee. <clears throat> the mother of Jesus was there. Did you know that Mary is only mentioned twice in the Gospel of John? Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is only mentioned twice in the Gospel of John. Here and one other time. And know this, that water will be present in both episodes. Here at the wedding in Cana, and you know the story, Jesus is going to turn water into wine. But then in the Gospel of John chapter 19, at the crucifixion of Jesus, there will be Mary at the foot of the cross, his mother, and he will tell John, the apostle whom Jesus loved, that this is your mother, and mother, this is your son. And then in verse 34, I think it's 34, the soldier puts the spear into the side of Jesus. And what flows out is water and blood. They had run out of wine. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. This, and you've heard this sermon before, this is the worst case scenario to run out of wine at a wedding. And you've heard the sermon all about how the dignity of those involved would be, would be um, just inherent and in, in not having enough wine, and that Jesus you know, protects their integrity by turning water into wine. Well, that's nice and it's true, but there's more that is going on here. You see the water. Let's talk about that water. First of all, there are ceremonial jugs there. Jesus has those filled up, but water. I want to take you to Exodus chapter 15. If you could jump there real quick. I'm doing pretty good. I'm jumped almost right to it here. 15:22 through25, let me read to you. Then Moses said made made Israel set out. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. So remember last week we talked about baptism and how the children of Israel coming through the Red Sea was a type of baptism. Well this is the verse these are the verses right afterwards. And when they came into the wilderness of Shur, they went how many days? They went 3 days without water. And they found no water in the wilderness. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, "What shall we drink?" And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log or a piece of wood. You better connect the cross there. And he threw it into the water and the water became what? Sweet. It became sweet. It became drinkable. This water became drinkable at the thrusting in of this piece of wood. You see, this is a saving water. This is a water that has, was bitter and now has become able to drink. It sustains and gives life. That's what's going on here in the text. 2 Kings chapter 2. Let's jump there real quick. And um, for those who are adventurous, You can read the verses right after this. I won't preach on it. 2 Kings 2, 19 through 22. Now, Elisha has just taken the place of Elijah. And Elisha takes Elijah's staff and he strikes the the Jordan River. And you know what happens? The, The river parts and he's able to walk across on dry ground. Well, we pick it up here. He goes to Jericho. That's the city that's mentioned here. Verse 19, now the men of the city of Jericho said to Elisha, Behold, the situation of the city is pleasant, as the Lord sees, but the water is bad, and the land is unfruitful. He said, Bring me a new bowl. Elisha says, Bring me a new bowl. You see, what's happening here in the wedding at Cana is going to be new, brand new, just like this new bowl, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. And when he and and he went and to the spring of water, and he threw the salt in, and he said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water has been healed to this day. The prophet heals the water, and the water sustains and brings life. So Jesus takes water, and he fills the ceremonial jugs. And as he fills ceremonial jugs that were meant for ceremonial washing, he is taking and reaching back into the Old Testament, and he is bringing everything, all the promises, into the present, into this moment, at this wedding, and he fills the, wa- he fills the jugs with water. And then, the miracle of miracles. They dip from the water jugs, and they take it to the master of the, of the feast. And it has turned. It has changed to wine. You see, the water in the Old Testament was just made sweet and able to drink. Something new is happening here, and Jesus isn't just making water sweet. He is taking water and turning it into wine. Wine is of utmost importance because every prophet, and I don't have enough time to go through all the examples in the Old Testament prophets, but know this, every time the prophet speaks of the Messiah coming, it means and it brings an abundance of wine. There's always an abundance of wine and that's associated with the coming of Messiah. Wine is a celebration drink. Wine is used for weddings. Now this wedding here in Cana is incomplete. It's a lot like our world. Our world is a the wine has run out world. The Old Testament was a the wine has run out testament. And now Messiah comes and he brings with him an abundance, an overabundance of wine. And this is not just any wine. This is the finest of wines, the best of wines. You've never tasted wine like this. As he turns the water into wine, he manifests his glory. Look at the last verses here. After this, he went, actually, it's the final verses of our, of our gospel lesson, verse 11. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and did what? He manifested his glory. This is the first manifestation of the glory. And Jesus, when he tells his mother, my time has not yet come, he is hearkening to a reality for you and for me and for his mother and for everyone there when she says they have run out of wine and he says my time has not yet come, he is hearkening to the final day. He's hearkening to the last day. That's the hour and the day of the Lord. He's talking about that time when he brings you and I, the church, to the feast. To the marriage feast of the Lamb. Now what in the world does all this have to do with you and me? Today, in our day and age? The answer? Everything. Everything. Water? In your life? Yes. Baptism. Remember last week we said that stop looking at baptism um, as, as just a, a ceremony or, or, you know, uh, this... this Sentimental event. No. Baptism is where God makes his bride ready. I could go to a parable that Jesus teaches about wedding clothes. And how a king had thrown a banquet and he had invited people and they refused to come. So he said, go get other people. Invite everybody. This would be the Gentiles. And they come. And there was one man in the wedding feast who did not have wedding clothes on and he was cast out. What's the wedding clothes? The wedding clothes are the baptism that we put on, that God puts on to us. He clothes us with the very bridegroom. He clothes us with Christ. And you put him on when you remember your baptism and you remember that you are the blood-bought child of God and you remember that this water has washed you clean. In just a few moments, the wine will be of utmost importance because this is no ordinary wine. This is the very blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross for you. We call this a foretaste of the feast that's to come. And what that means is our lives are intimately connected with this wedding at Cana. Because what God is doing, this church, he is preparing you for his wedding. You are the bride of God through Jesus Christ, the church. And God is making you ready through this word and through these sacraments so that when he comes again at the blast of trumpets, we will be clothed with our wedding garment that is Jesus Christ our Lord, and we will be ready for the feast that has no end. That's what the wedding in Cana has to do with you and with me. And if we go to, and we'll end here, Revelation chapter 21, verse 2. John sees it. John sees it. I want you to see it too. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Verse 2. I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned, mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. God has made everything brand new. Amen. And now may the peace of God, it transcends our ability to even understand. Keep your hearts and your minds always never focused on your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.